Chapter Eleven of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven is very well deserving the attention of all those who are about to marry. While Miss Flora was buoyed up with the expectation that her mother would soon be reconciled to Mr. Goodman, she abated not of her former gaiety and thought of nothing but indulging her amorous inclinations with the man she liked. But when once those expectations ceased, her spirits began to fail. She now found it necessary for her interest, as well as pleasure, to preserve, if possible, the affection of her lover. She knew not what dreadful consequences the prosecution Mr. Goodman was about to exhibit against her mother might be attended with, and trembled to think she must share with her the double load of infamy and penury, and rightly judged that a man of Mr. Trueworth's fortune, honour, and good nature would not suffer a woman with whom he continued a tender communication to be oppressed with any ills his purse could relieve her from. The apprehensions, therefore, that she might one day be reduced to stand in need of his support, assisted the real passion she had for him, and made her feel on the first appearance of his growing coldness towards her all those horrors, those distractions, which her letters to him had so lively represented. On his ceasing to make any fixed appointment with her, and from seeing her every day, to seeing her but once in three or four days, gave her with reason the most terrible alarms. But when after an absence of near a week, she had followed him to the coffee-house, the cool and indifferent reception she there met with, gave her indeed a mortal stab to all her hopes, and she no longer hesitated to pronounce her own doom, and cry out she was undone. The excuse he made of business was too weak, too trite, too commonplace to gain any credit with her, or alleviate her sorrows. She knew the world too well to imagine a young gay gentleman like him would forego whatever he thought a pleasure for any business he could possibly have. She doubted not, but there was a woman in the case, and the thoughts that, while she was in vain expecting him, he was soliciting those favours from a rival she had so lavishly bestowed and languished to repeat, fired her jealous brain even to a degree of frenzy. A while she raved with all the wild despair of ill-requited burning love, but other emotions soon rose in her distracted bosom, not to control, but add fresh fuel to the flame, already kindled there. "'My circumstances!' cried she. "'My wretched circumstances!' what will become of me involved in my mother's shame he will perhaps make that a pretence for abandoning me to those misfortunes i thought i might have depended on him to relieve however as the little billet in answer to her last letter to him contained a promise that he would write to her the next day she endeavoured as much as she was able to compose herself till that time though she was far from hoping the explanation she expected to receive in it would afford any consolation to her tormented mind. Mr. Trueworth also, in the meantime, was not without his own anxieties. A man of honour frequently finds more difficulty in getting rid of a woman he is weary of, and loves him, than obtaining a woman he loves, and is in pursuit of. But this gentleman had a more than ordinary perplexity to struggle through. Few women would go to the lengths Miss Flora had done for the accomplishment of her desires, and he easily saw, by the whole tenor of her behaviour, she would go as great, and even more, to continue the enjoyment of them. 
glad would he have been to have brought her by degrees to an indifference for him to have prevailed on her to submit her passion to the government of her reason and to be convinced that an amour such as theirs had been ought to be looked upon only as a transient pleasure to be continued while mutual inclination and convenience permitted and when broke off remembered but as a dream but this he has found was not to be done with a woman of miss flora's temper he therefore thought it best not to keep her any longer in suspense but let her know at once the revolution in her fate as to that point which regarded him and the true motive that had occasioned it which he accordingly did in these terms to miss flora mellison madam it is with very great difficulty i employ my pen to tell you it is wholly inconvenient for us ever to meet again in the manner we have lately done but i flatter myself you have too much good sense and too much honour not to forgive what all laws both human and divine oblige me to i am entering into a state which utterly forbids the continuance of those gallantries which before pleaded their own excuse in fine i am going to be married and it would be the highest injustice in me to expect that fidelity which alone can make me happy in a wife if my own conduct did not set her an example though i must cease to languish for a repetition of those favours you have blessed me with yet be assured i shall always remember them with gratitude and the best good wishes for the prosperity of the fair bestower i send you back all the testimonies i have received of your tenderness that are in my power to return it belongs to yourself to make use of your utmost endeavours for the recovery of the heart which dictated them this i earnestly entreat of you and in the hope that you will soon accomplish a work so absolutely necessary for your peace and reputation i remain as far as honour will permit madam your most obliged and most humble servant c trueworth mr trueworth flattered himself that so plain a declaration of his sentiments and intentions would put a total end to all future correspondence between them and having looked it over after he had finished and found it such as he thought proper for the purpose put it under a cover with all the letters he had received from miss flora not expecting the first invitation she had made him under the title of the incognita and sent away the packet by a porter for he had never entrusted his servants with the conveyance of any epistle from him to that lady miss flora from the moment her eyes were open in the morning if it can be supposed she had any sleep that night had been watching with the most racking impatience for the arrival of mr trueworth's messenger she wished but dreaded more the eclaircissement which she expected would be contained in the mandate he had promised to send yet was distracted for the certainty how cruel soever it might prove at length it came and with it a confirmation of even worse than the most terrible of her apprehensions had suggested the sight of her own letters on her opening it almost threw her into a swoon but when her streaming eyes had greedily devoured the contents of the billet that accompanied them excess of desperation struck her for some moments stupid and rendered her mind inactive as her frame but when awakened from this lethargy of silent grief she felt all the horrors of a fate she had so much dreaded frustrated at once in every hope that love or interest had presented to her words cannot paint the wildness of her fancy she tore her hair and garments and scarce spared that face 
she had taken so much pains to ornament for wanting charms to secure the conquest it had gained but with the more violence those tall billions of the mind rage for a while the sooner they subside and all is hushed again as i remember to have somewhere read after a tempest when the winds are laid the calm sea wonders at the wreck it made so this unhappy and abandoned creature too much deserving of the fate she met with having exhausted her whole stock of tears and wasted all the breath that life could spare in fruitless exclamations the passions which had raised these commotions in her soul became more weak and the beguiler hope once more returned to lull her wearied spirits into a short-lived ease she now saw the folly of venting her rage upon herself that to give way to grief and despair would avail her nothing but only served to render her more miserable that instead of sitting tamely down and meanly lamenting her misfortune in the loss of a lover on whom she had built so much she ought rather to exert all the courage resolution and artifice she was mistress of in contriving some way of preventing it if possible he is not yet married said she the irrevocable words not yet are past i have already broke off his courtship to one woman why may i not be as successful in doing so with another he cannot love the present engrosser of his heart more than he did miss betsy thoughtless tis worth at least the pains of an attempt the first step she had to take towards the execution of her design was to find out the name condition and dwelling of her happy rival and this she thought there would be no great difficulty in doing as she doubted not but mr trueworth visited her every day and it would be easy for her to employ a person to watch where he went and afterwards to make the proper inquiries but in the meantime it required some consideration how to behave to that gentleman so as to preserve in him some form of esteem for her without which she rightly judged it would be impossible for her to ever recover his love in case she should be so fortunate as to separate him from the present object of his flame she knew very well that all testimonies of despair in a woman no longer loved only create uneasiness in the man who occasioned it and but served to make him more heartily wish to get rid of her she therefore found it best as it certainly was to pretend to fall in with mr trueworth's way of thinking seemed to be convinced by his reasons and ready to submit to whatever suited with his interest or convenience it was some time before she could bring herself into a fit temper for this act of dissimulation but she at last arrived at it and gave a proof how great a proficient she was in it by the following lines to charles trueworth esq dear sir i am apt to believe you as little expected as desired an answer to the eclaircissement of yesterday nor would i have given you the trouble of this but to assure you it shall be the last of any kind you ever shall receive from me yes i have now done with reproaches and complaints i have nothing to allege against you nothing to accuse you of could the fond folly of my tender passion have given me leisure for a moment's reflection i had foreseen that the misfortune which is now falling upon me was inevitable i am now convinced that i ought not to have hoped that the unbounded happiness i so lately enjoyed could be of any long duration that a man of your fortune and figure in the world must one day marry names and families must be supported and yours is too considerable for you to suffer it to be extinct 
i must not i will not therefore repine at a thing which in my cooler moments i cannot but look upon as essential to your honour and convenience had you quitted me on any other score i cannot answer but i might have been hurried into extravagances displeasing to you and unbecoming of myself but here i must resign and am determined to do so with the same patience in show at least as if i had never loved i will not tell you the agonies i have sustained in the cruel conflict between my reason and my passion in making this resolution it is sufficient for you to know that the former has the victory more might too much affect your generous nature besides when woes are remediless they are best borne in silence farewell oh farewell for ever may you find everything in the happy she you make your choice of to give you lasting bliss and to complete all may she love you with the same ardency tenderness and disinterestedness as her who must now only subscribe herself as an eternal distance dear dear sir your most faithful friend and humble servant f mellison this letter which it must be confessed was wrote artfully enough had all the effect it was intended for on the mind of mr trueworth it not only afforded him an infinity of contentment as he hoped she would soon be enabled to banish all those disturbed emotions which naturally attend the breaking off of an acquaintance such as theirs had been but it also established in him a very high idea of her good understanding disinterested affection honour and sincerity but how long he continued in this favourable opinion as to the three last-mentioned qualifications will hereafter be shown in the meantime something happened as he was a man just even to the extremest nicety gave him according to his way of thinking a great deal of reason to reproach himself End of chapter 11